Well, hello there, Mr. Mark. Well, hey there, Johnny. How you doing good, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I got a chance to talk to my little brother the other day. That was Oh, really yeah? Nice. How's he doing? He's, do- he's doing good. He's doing good. He, uh, he reminded me of... Um, um, something, you know how, like, you get with your brother and stuff. I'm sure you do this with yours. And you just kind mm-hmm. of reminisce about the stupid shit you used to do as kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he was telling me, it was like, he's like, you remember when I did this? And it was like, it was my 10th birthday and I was pissed that nobody got me anything. So, like, no, we didn't get him. It's not that we didn't get him anything. It was just like he didn't get what he wanted. But he's like, I was he all was pissed 10, off yeah. about it. Yeah. And I went and I took, like. My brother, like our other brother, like Matt, we took, I took Matt's money and then I went and took like dad's money and all this shit. And I, I just like walked down to the store because we had this old corner store mm-hmm. down the street from us and he got his ass chewed so hard and oh, yeah. it just, oh, it made me laugh so hard because he just looked at him and like my dad had been bragging or something about a bonus that he had gotten um, mm. like the week before. And so my little brother equated it to, well, that bonus is for me. It's not for everybody else. And I deserve this, uh, like a really nice Chris or uh, birthday present. Yeah. Um, yeah. and his, his idea of like a really nice birthday present was like $200 worth of fucking gummy bears and like candy <laughs> and shit from the, this the corner <laughs> store. Like he brought a backpack and shit. Ooh. And I was just like, oh, damn, dude, next time you tally-ho it over to the money bin, you, you got to let me know. Um, but in the meantime, we're, we're, we got to talk a little bit about King of the Hill, right, Mark? We should probably tally-ho it over to the uh, Dangle podcast, this year weekly King of the Hill podcast, where I, Mark, and my good buddy, Johnny, we take two episodes of that beloved adult animation classic, King of the Hill, and we talk about the goods and the bads and the highs and the lows, and we see if it still holds up, and we talk about, I guess, the future now. We can't say if it, like, is going to get rebooted, because like, we got to change our whole introduction now, man. I'm kind of upset a little bit. We but, do. Like, yeah, but at either rate, we talk about these episodes, and we slap them with our patented rating system, and I guess at this point, we ought to just dive on in, right? I, I think we should. We're going to start this week with episode 157, Rich Hank, Poor Hank. Uh, this is original air date January 4, 2004. And you want to know why that date is special, Mark? January 4, 2004. Why? Yeah, because it actually was my little brother's 10th birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Adam. <laughs> Happy birthday, little guy. Uh, this was written by Eaton Cohen. We've seen a lot of stuff from him before, but I don't think we, you and I have ever like kind of dug into how he found his way to King of the Hill. Makes a lot of sense when you go back and look at his IMDb history, though. Oh, really? We, we, yeah. we, we know we like him. We know we like him a lot, but I, yeah. I don't think we've like discussed the origin of one Eaton Cohen, no. No, so I'm not going to spoil all the really cool shit that he's done because he has done a lot of really cool shit. Like, Homeboy has a lot of money from the shit that he's written. Um, But he got his start in Beavis and Butthead. He wrote for episode, or he wrote for seasons five, six, and seven. It was only like like six or seven episodes cumulative. But Mm -hmm. that eventually forged his relationship with Mike Judge. um, And he wrote one of Mike Judge's most infamous screenplays. Can you guess which one? And it's not Office Space. Idiocracy? It is Idiocracy. Really? Oh, yes. wow. So that makes me super happy. Um, I, we're not going to dive into next or the, the next episode's writer either, guys, because it's the same fucking guy. So you're just going to get a <laughs> lot of cool shit from him right here. But yeah, so yeah, he's it, that's obviously, you know, he made friends with him in Beavis and Butthead. He did some these episodes of King of the Hill and then went on to write Idiocracy. Okay, right on. 
So, yeah, it's good cool. shit. Uh, yeah. Cast of characters this week, Mark. Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Luann Platter, Dale, Nancy, and Joseph Gribble, Boomhauer, Bill, Dibatrive, Min and Connie Supanusimpone, John Redcorn, and a cameo by a little shit kid named Eric. Yes, I said Dibatribe. And You're getting you worse. Told me, yes, you told me to. I know I did. I know what I said. Um, Mark, do you know which famous voice actor, uh, I'm going to say actor because it's unisex, but that gives it away that it's a, a woman, does the voice of Eric, the shitty uh, jet ski kid? I have no idea. If I told you that she is known for playing Bubbles and Raven and Harley Quinn. Oh, okay. Okay, right on. It Tara is Tara Strong. Strong. <laughs> the only voice actress in the world. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her Definitely and Lauren Tom. The hottest. Lauren Tom covers, you know, the Asian. She covers everybody else. And then um, Regina King handles a handful of African-American characters. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I love that you, you casually forget, like... Um, oh God, what's, why am I, why am I blanking here? Cause there's only one white woman voice actor in this terrorist. No, there's not. Who does Bobby? <laughs> Cause she does a shitload of people. Pamela Alden. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Pamela. Alden, I'm sorry. She's... I've never heard Pamela Alden do anything else, but I've heard Tara strong in every single animated show I've ever watched. So I, I have this really <clears throat> weird, like, as far as I'm like... concerned, Tara strong might actually be Pamela Alden. <laughs> you think? Could be. I've never seen him in the same room twice, but I've seen okay. her in every single TV show ever. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, fuck. Is Tara Strong Mark Hamill? Is she Kevin Conroy? <laughs> she might be. I don't know. Like <laughs> at this point, I, I just don't know. Oh, good, good lord. Okay, so I know I need to see this here. So I have a very weird like, it's like a core memory of the some of the first times I ever watched anime, and this is like. Mm-hmm. Oh, old tsunami shit. Um, and I don't remember exactly which one it was, but it was very bizarre and strange. But she is one of Pamela Adlin is one of the main characters. Really? Yes. Fuck me. I'm gonna look it up here in a. I'm second. also kidding. Like I also know. No, I know. More than I know one. you are. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm I just give you Tara Strong is so prolific. Like I. Oh no, she it is, is truly she amazing. Is, like yeah, she she's Mel Blancian like, levels of yeah. Like, she absolutely is of our generation. Fucking love But it's also Storm. weird to me how like, you know, John DiMaggio is pretty one note. Yes. You know, Mark Hamill is pretty one note. You're always going to hear Mark Hamill doing Mark Hamill. Um Tara Strong, you can kind of lose her a little bit. Like yeah, she does have that really pitched up like I guess you'd call it little girl voice, but like with bubbles, but then like Harley Quinn is, you know, totally separate stuff like and, that. And and so. Raven. Yeah. And yeah, especially Raven. Raven's a good one to like throw in there cuz it's so like, oh, hey. Okay. Okay, so Pamela Adlin does three anime voice works for movies, and it's okay. one of these movies that's very much sticks out in my brain. So I have watched the American dubs of Kiki's Delivery Service and Princess Mononoke a lot, and I know she's a specific person in Kiki's, and I have no idea who she is in Princess Mononoke. But that okay. is not what I saw on um, on Toonami because they didn't show fucking Studio Ghibli movies on Toonami. That was Disney mm-hmm. shit. Uh, yeah. No, I saw her in Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust in the year 2000 as one of the main characters. Oh. Okay, okay. So it's a it's a weird core memory because that is not something that uh, 10-year-old John should have been watching. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. No, You're at a bad all. boy. 
It's well, I was I like I watched Toonami when I would stay over at my grandma's house because she did not give a shit if I went to bed at two o'clock in the morning. So it's right. also where I found my love for Trigun and for Cowboy Bebop. So right. I got a lot of good shit out of that. Uh, also, <laughs> should I probably shouldn't have been watching at ten years old. Mark uh, synopsis. Uh, synopsis. Bobby wants to learn about the family finances and goes on an ill-advised shopping spree with Hank's emergency credit card. Yeah, Hank says, that's my purse, I don't know you, and kicks Bobby right in the nuts with responsibility. Ooh, he really wants to, like, and it's pretty deserved in this episode, I think. Hank Bobby's screams at Ina Deekneath. <laughs> yeah, Bobby's a little shithead in this. He really shows his 13-year-old ignorance. Yeah, 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 he does. <laughs> Uh, our A story characters, Hank and Bobby. I, I don't really think there's a B story in this episode. No, there isn't. Eh, but um, is, is there, or is it everybody talking about how rich Hank is, and then that's like they all tie into it? It's. I mean, that'd be a subplot then. Yeah, that's all because yeah, ones, like yeah. we 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 pull people out of like we haven't seen John Redcorn in fucking eight episodes. I feel like, and he pulls. It's out been for a this. minute. Yeah, yeah. Him and his G milf. Um, Mark, <laughs> give me. God, I know. Give me some he got his own bud. brand new catcher's mitt. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh. yes, for my notes, didn't you? Uh, number oh. one, this is an ugly goddamn episode. Okay, okay, okay. So now we almost have a pattern. I almost jumped up to three episodes out for like three weeks ahead just to uh-huh. see if that episode was going to be ugly or not. Because next episode is goddamn beautiful. It's back to being beautiful. This one right. is ugly. This one is going back to whatever the problem I had last week was. Um, it, it just, um, and it's flirting with wanna... the master. Um, and I bitched about how like I thought it was like an episode out of time. Right. I want to qualify something for the record. Yeah. It's it's not that that necessarily that it's ugly, but it's the old animation style. Because That's what I, I mean, not, but like... Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, because you and I did not have a problem with this for seven seasons. It has only now no. become a problem because it's fucking beautiful and, until it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's very no, that's jarring all. and yeah. it's very pull you out of it. Like. Yeah. No, that that's all. I Because you say the word ugly. And I want—I don't want people to get mad and call you a fucking hypocrite because we praise it so much for seven seasons. It's like no. Well, by remember we used to have a segment ugly. called "Where They Blew Their Animation Budget." Like, yes, we haven't had that segment in a goddamn minute. Like, <laughs> because it's gotten so pretty, you know. Yes, but anyway, sorry. Continue. I just wanted to. No, no, you're throw good. That sorry. No, I just. I, yeah, no, I appreciate. It. I because when I you're right. When I say ugly, we've talked. We we have sung the praise. Like what? Texas City Twister. They won an Emmy oh, for animation. You yes. know, like. And that was season two, right? Like, that was no, a beautiful season one. episode. Season one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, that was beautiful. Um, And then you get this, and then you get, like, you know, um, Living on Reds last week. And that was a really, really pretty episode. I think I gushed about, like, the mountainscapes and stuff being so pretty. And then right. you get this one, and it's just so jarring. But then we're going to start with Senna's Paw and uh, uh, Buck. Like, just Buck DUIing around Rainy Street. It's a really pretty <laughs> scene. Like... So I'm just, I'm very, I don't know what I am. Irritated, I guess. Confused, conflicted. I don't know. I, no, it, I don't know there's the politics no rhyme or reason of animation. And, and that's my problem, I think. Like, Futurama's consistent. Simpsons is consistent. King of the Hill is largely inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this, I think it'll be an eighth season problem that won't continue on into the ninth. I think we won't see that other animation style in the ninth. Yeah, I almost want to go back and try and relay down my unified timeline in King of the Hill because we stopped tracking that too, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like the last like marker of where we were was uh the, the Capro. 
K-Pro right, to you're iMac. Right. You're right. But that was three seasons ago. Like, we were tracking that back in April of last year, and it just kind of fell off. Like, it just – it does, it didn't come up as – I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I started tracking all the new stores, and then I gave up because there were too many to name. Um, but the one that stood out to me was the initial one, Shellwins. It sounds a lot yes. like Mervin's. Yes, it's actually um, a returning store. Is it? Yes. So this it's it's just like fortuitous that within within the last few weeks I have re-listened to Husky Bobby. Uh, they take Bobby to Shellwins first, and the guy goes, "Oh, uh, he may not be Shellwins material quite yet." And then they take him to H Dumpty's. Wow. Wow, here you hear that? Deep cuts, bud. Deep cuts. <laughs> That's for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's my first note here. Is it's Bobby is now Shelwin's material. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> um, but, did yeah, you catch the name of the giant mall? It, it's something over something, um, and I. It's not six. It's not seven malls over Dallas or whatever. No, it's something at the Arboretum, and because I, I yeah. definitely noticed it, and I went. Arboretum, that's like a place full of trees. Texas doesn't have fucking trees. It's basically just tumbleweeds and asshole landscape. Guys, I know it's not just tumbleweeds and asshole landscape. I'm making a joke. You're going to get us another fucking comment about how we hate Texans. <laughs> I don't fucking Oh, also, hate did you see all the uh, Texans no digging better. through the giant fucking dumpster? And it's like, <laughs> hey, hey, assholes. Hey, what happened when you voted for Greg Abbott? Aren't you fucking proud? Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Showins <laughs> is pretty cool. The Arboretum. Um, I miss... This I'm just gonna jump into my uh, retro reference rage really quick because we're here. Um, okay. Oh god, I miss those gigantic malls like that. Um, remember how yeah. fucking cool Park Meadows was? I know you grew up grew up next to uh, Flatirons up in um yeah uh, in Broomfield. Not, thank you. I was gonna say Fort Collins. I was like, that's not right. Um, yeah. The Chapel Hills Mall in Springs was an amazing yeah, place. Yeah, I've been like, there a couple of times. Oh, it had an ice skating rink. It had a rock wall. Like. I I know how gross they are. I know what a monument to capitalism and all that shit. But dude, the heyday boy, of malls was fun as fuck. It was amazing. It was amazing. They were a culture. They were part of. They they were who we were. And I guess when I say we, I mean only you know the white people that could afford to nah. work work and shop there in the eighties. But it's, like, how many movies take place as a mall setting? Mall Rats might be my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Like, yeah. I miss these big mall. Like people used to go to malls, like as events. Like we, I think we talked in Husky Bobby. We were bitching about there's yeah. a fashion show in the mall. Like yeah, and I, it, it just this little scene got to bring me back to a very magical time from ages like seven to like I don't know fourteen, uh, maybe I'd say <laughs> seventeen. And then when I went to college, like Chapel Hills just like died. They all died. Yeah. They all died in like two thousand eight. But. Oh, yeah. Uh, all but one, Mark. And you and I can make a, a faded road trip one of these days to go to Minnesota and go to the Mall of America that's like eight fucking stories and is still jam-packed all the time. Yeah. I absolutely. just read an article about the Mall of America that basically says, oh, yeah, we don't have any sort of heating at all here. It's like we keep it at a consistent 70 degrees because of the people that are here. Like we The bank people on the and people. passive solar. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so yeah, you were on Reddit this morning too. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> Not to steal your Reddity thunder there, but I also nope. saw that. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm glad. Now, now I know. Amanda went like there. She said it's fucking fucker. amazing. Her sister lives up in that area. Like she says, awesome. it's great. We, we're going. We're is the Mall of America close to Kansas City, Missouri? Oh, fuck well, no. no, but I bet we can get a layover up there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We're gonna go an hour out of our way just because. Goddamn I'm into right. It. Yeah. It, it's what we do, buddy. Um, another one. What is your dream? What's in your dream house? Like, let's just say money wasn't an object. 
What's like Ooh. two things you want? You know what I mean? You can have whatever um, you want. It doesn't matter. How do you I, know that like this is your tally hoeing it to your money pit? So I want uh, like a full fledged game gaming room, not like a game room with a pool table and shit. Because I like pool tables, but I don't fucking want one. Because mm-hmm. I don't like to stand when I'm being entertained. <laughs> I'm like being the fat <laughs> ass that gets to sit where the fuck he wants. No, I want a legit game room. I'm talking like 500 square foot open fucking space with like no windows and one entrance, like fucking bat cave entrance type shit. And on each wall, I've got two or three different fucking TVs and a lazy boy sitting in front and one fucking console hooked up to said TV. Right on. That way it's like, oh, I want to play PS2 today. Cool. I go and sit in my fucking PS2 lazy boy, put my shit in, and just fucking game. Right on. Like, that's 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 at least one of them. The, uh, I don't fucking know what the other one would be. Like, I would I would trick out a fucking kitchen like no one's business. It would be obscene. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Obscene. Yeah. Because I also love to cook. You know that. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, Kitchen, for sure. Um. Yeah, I would get um, a lot of freezer storage space and just mm. dive headlong into sausage and beer making, and that's all I do with my time. Okay. And baking. I'm doing a shitload of baking lately because I got that yeah. kitchen made. Um, but then a bathroom. I want a really nice bathroom. I want it to have heated floors. Um, I want a bench in the shower, and I want to be so wet in the shower that I might as well be in the bathtub, but I'm in the shower. I saw a mini <laughs> fridge mounted into a shower one time. Oh, and, shit. Like, Dude, oh my god. I, <laughs> I I know, I know. Tell you that I'm an alcoholic without telling you I'm an, I'm an alcoholic, but I want a fucking mini beer fridge in my bathroom. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, and I just also... want to like sit down in my tub in, in my shower and just like die. I want a shower <laughs> that's so big it doesn't need doors or a curtain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, really I, I want me... more of like a Turkish bath than anything. Yeah. And also yes. adjacent to that, I want a dry sauna. No, I was going to say, a runner-up for me is I want a fucking sauna. <laughs> so cheers to that we one, buddy. simpatico or what, buddy? I, I, you and I are just going to make our, our own podcastle is what's going to happen. I think I got Josh to sign on to it. I told him all about the lake monster that's going to be in the 10-acre uh, lake, and he's in now, so. Awesome. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. I keep diverting. Um, I don't get this episode as a general note. I don't understand any part of it. It's, It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand the keeping of the finances from Bobby. Like, you get really mad at the infantilization of Bobby, but, yeah. like, the kid's 13. You ought to have... This is infantilization of Bobby, too, just differently. Yes. You know? Oh, it absolutely is. And I don't like it. Like, I, I'm tired of... I, I, He's, he's 13, going on 14. By this point, he's 17, but whatever. We don't care. Right. Um, like, it, why? Did, did your parents discuss finances with you? I grew up insanely poor, so I knew exactly what our margins were. Like, I knew what the bills were. I could probably, I, like, I learned how to balance a checkbook at a very early age just because of how fucking poor I grew up. And right. it made me the, you know, miserly person that I am today. <laughs> but it also made me the type of person that just goes and flips out on a smoker grill because I got the money for it because I don't spend my money on anything. Sure. And to that end, like, to that end, though, like, how come Hank just can't say this is what we're doing? And I don't know if it's, like, I guess I got to remember the politics of the situation, like, when this came out. And, like, I think you didn't talk about pay back then because it was kind of gauche to do. But right. I don't know. Um, 
I can tell the difference between your stupid generic and brand name. Stop yes. saying that you can't. It is a difference, and I'm tired of being lied to. Um, Hetty Green, the Witch of Wall Street, was a real bitch. She existed. No shit. Um, okay. She, so I did a very cursory Wikipedia search. Um, I didn't really find anything about a son with an operation, but I did see that she had a hernia that she refused to get treated, so she had a stick that she would just gouge it back in with. <laughs> That's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I almost feel really sorry for her. Like, I know she is a bad person, but I almost kind of feel bad for her, you know? She's the uh, Flint Heart Glomgold to everybody's lovable Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's um, he's Arthur Fortune to Monty Burns, or Monty Burns to Arthur Fortune. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, I'm over it. I'm over Bobby. I don't get. I I took the time to write that a second time. Um, why does anybody this is think a hard that Hank Bobby is, episode? This is a hard everybody episode. Everybody in this episode, except for Peggy, is a fucking idiot. Every yeah. single one of them. Um. Why does anybody think that Hank is rich? Like, no idea. They have, they have known each other for decades. They are best friends. Like, out of the group, yeah, Hank probably pulls down the most secondary to Boomhauer because Boomhauer's single income, no kid. Like, he has no dependents, right. you know? Like, I just... It's so dumb. I don't understand where we get these ideas. I don't understand where it comes from. It's bad. I don't understand... I don't understand walking up to a lo- random person that you are that you know thinking they have money and asking them for Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. John Redcorn maybe kind of makes sense. Bill begging for money, sure it's in character for Bill but stupid. Like I just it's all dumb. I Right. Ugh, give me your notes. I'm sorry. I Yeah. This was a bad way to start my Saturday morning. I will be 100%. I watched this shit at 6 a.m. and I was like oh, I need better weed. And then I was like you can't smoke weed at 6 a.m. Damn it. It's wake and bake, buddy. You absolutely can. Um, no, I not every day. <laughs> uh, like, I, like I noted earlier, Bobby is now Shelwin's material. I like the callback to that. I don't know if we'll ever see Shelwin's again, but it to me it seems kind of like the um, upscale like place for you to get clothes or, in this case, a wallet or things like that at the Arlen Mall. Yeah, it's like um, a Penny's kind of thing. Yeah, maybe Dillard's. Yeah, well, no. Shelwin's is. Dillard's. I was gonna say Dillard's or Macy's because Penny's is is that's definitely closer to like aged empties and shit. Um, yeah. Who was Peggy talking to in Dallas on the phone for thirty seven minutes that made her shudder? Wrong answers only. <laughs> uh, 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 what's his name? Trembly. Grant Trembly. Oh, yeah, the ooh. the pornographer. Ooh. He, he, hey, man, this would have been when, like, HD uh, like HD porn was kind of starting. He's like, Peggy, I can get you in on the ground floor. Oh, Grant Trembley. I don't know. That's a, no, <laughs> Who's that's, she talking to? I have no idea. I was just, I was going to float it off of you, but I can't even think of anyone because that one fits too good. <laughs> uh, I said wrong answers, Mark. You're not supposed to give me, like, the perfect fucking one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rightest of wrongs. Okay. Can an answer be so bad that it's correct? So I know you've watched enough Simpsons, Mark, to know that there <laughs> is there is a specific Homer Simpson phrase that he uses. It's th- that turns it into a Homerified word. It's um. Okay. So he like when he's yes. using when he's talking about like musical instruments, tuba maba, saxophone, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's a very oh, trademark. Oh, thank you. 
Um, it's a very trademark Homer Simpson thing. I think Hank now mm-hmm. has a trademark. He said it twice okay. in five minutes in this episode. Okay. He adds he's and it's it's weird that he's from Texas and not Ohio because people from fucking Ohio, shout out to you Josh, love to do this. He puts the word the in front of it. He calls it the H&R block and the MTV. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he says the. He says like the H&R But he adds block. that but he adds that article. Yeah, you're right. And he says the TV or TV and the MTV. He always adds the to it in the front like when it's a real handism. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. We can kind of look out for some more of that. Um, going on the I'm not, I'm yeah, I'm not sure how many more we'll get, but I thought it was funny. We got two in like five minutes this episode. Yeah. Um, and then when you, and then when you say that, like I kind of start going back and thinking about it. Yeah. I feel like I've definitely, yeah. Yeah. So huh. you did some research on the uh, uh, witch of wall street. I did a little bit, Betty just Green. a tertiary <laughs> glance at Howard Hughes. Oh God damn. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. Cause yeah. there's a lot about Howard Hughes, but the two things I can tell you is that at his time of death, he was worth $2.5 billion, which in today's money is 11 billion. He died in 60 something, right? I think sixties, fifties or sixties. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. In today's money, it's stupid. It's stupid money. Any any way you look at it. Seventy six. Um, so, oh, holy shit! He really lived till 76? April fifth, nineteen seventy six, in Houston, Texas. Born December twenty fourth, nineteen o five, in Humble, Texas. Wow. Okay, yeah. boy was almost seventy. I did not expect that. Um, yeah, I thought he didn't make it. That maybe the Aviator might have colored my uh, knowledge of Howard Hughes just a touch. It, it and then Mister Burns. And his casino also <laughs> colored my... What do you mean? The spruce moose is a fantastic design, Mark. I said hop in. <laughs> We're going to the Belgian Congo, damn it. <laughs> okay, and then the other thing here. He did, in fact, have a manual for how he wanted his peaches prepared. It had nine steps, and it was to correctly disinfect canned peaches. Because he was insane about germs yeah yes yes he had a, a significant and severe germ phobia um the last note i have here is this is too like early early 2004 this is long before facebook but i am very curious if the guy who he his company was bought by facebook and who created oculus watched this mm-hmm. episode because bobby is playing vr on a very similar headset I think that was the standard VR headset. I think that's what we thought was it was going to look like. Even I remember seeing that and going, wow, that looks just like a uh, PlayStation headset. And then I realized, like, well, that was kind of what it was. You had the, like, okay. things tied to your hands. And then you had then you had that, like, I remember, I, I, again, going back to malls, Um, I played, like, VR in Park Meadows when I was, like, eight years old. And it was, it was essentially that. It was, like, what you okay. would play Beat Saber on right now. But it was, like... Remember, too, um, Boomhauer. Remember the Mower Convention with Boomhauer wearing that VR headset? <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. It's kind of that just, like, what we think technology will look like. And, you know, you sharpen it up yeah. a little bit because it's eight years later. Okay. No, that's... Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm just trying to... No. I, I guess When you I think about something I... like that. I guess I hadn't really thought that the, like, the overall design of VR really hasn't changed. The the one, like, handheld that I really wish I could I could get, because I collect vintage, like, old video game handhelds, is I've never yeah. had a Game Boy VR. 
Oh, the virtual boy? Yeah, the virtual boy. And yeah. I'm like, I've never even seen one in real life because they just didn't make any of them. And I know they give people fucking massive headaches and shit like that. But I'm like, I've always wanted one of you. But even then, that had a same like little face attachment and shit. So mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense. Um, okay, well, let's keep chugging along, buddy. We're in pros now. Pros, what do you got for me? Um, I, so I think that that writing wise this episode makes sense in that bobby has already shown us for eight seasons now that he loves hip-hop culture and him wanting to show off his money and like be that flashy asshole is very much in line with what hip-hop culture was from 96 until 2004 and even dude even now even right now like yeah but like yeah. it was, it was really big. Uh, Boomhauer even name drops Ja Rule and MTV's mm-hmm. Cribs and shit like that Crib. in this episode. Yep, yep. And, Good. And God so, damn, you remember Cribs? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. It was fun as fuck to watch. I just remember that Shaq had a custom Superman bed made for him that was like two times the size of a California king because that motherfucker is so big. Like that's the Cribs memory that sticks out for me. <laughs> um. um. But I remember I the Method was... Man, or no, Red Man, and he just, like, woke up and, like, rolled over, smoked weed, and started playing PlayStation. It was, like, a single, like, regular-looking-ass house. He's like, oh, nah, man, I saved my fucking money. Yeah, right? But, <laughs> no, so I thought it was, it's a pro because it's smart writing, and they, they picked a concept that was like, okay, well, Bobby, like, loves hip-hop culture and money. What would a 13-year-old white kid in Texas do if... He thought his dad was loaded. He's going to go and treat it like it's a fucking music video. We see it in the whole Tally Ho bit. Um, That's my next pro here is it's one of the best dream sequences in the show because it's very fucking believable that that's what Bobby imagines. Um, Yeah. 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 It's also the most ridiculous fucking thing to see Hank in those glasses and that like pimp cape. Mm -hmm. Ugh. It's the the dollar I, signs everywhere. Like they the, dive yeah. into a dollar pool. There's dollar uh-huh. wallpaper. Peggy, Peggy is uh, bestride two white tigers. Like yeah, yeah, with a fucking crown on and everything else. Like yeah, it's it's yeah. straight out of an early two thousands hip hop video. So I I like the accuracy of it. It takes me back to the 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 feel good um, member days. You know shit like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see what else I got in here. I like Hank's method of teaching Bobby about economics. And I think it's a very smart way of teaching a kid like, okay, here is here is your allowance. And yeah. this is this is all of the shit that you take from me. And I'm not saying you do it every single week, but one time is usually enough to have somebody like stop and think before they spend their fucking money. Yeah, like you, you did this this week and you forgot to do this. So you have to pay for that. That's how the fucking real world works. And so it's mm-hmm. a smart way to introduce Bobby to the concept of economics and saving and being fucking money wise. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he didn't fucking listen to it because it's Bobby. And for some reason, he is unhinged this episode and just doesn't want to listen to anyone other than Joseph. That's never a fucking good thing. But <laughs> um, my last pro here, and you can say that I am completely fucking biased but damn it, this is the first time I believe we've heard Peggy do an accent that is not American or Spanish, and it is a better accent than her Spanish one. Kathy and Jimmy okay. does a fantastic tiny little German accent with Madame von Toilet Scrubben. <laughs> and it's like seen Bobby? Yeah, it's one throwaway line, and it makes me happy, and fucking A, I'm biased because I just lived in Germany, but 
I love it. I absolutely I, yeah, love it. That was a standout <laughs> moment for me in this episode was Madame Von Toilet Scrubbing. <laughs> and also, I love Hank is embarrassed to go, yeah, this is your punishment. Even I'm not really on board with this. But I like, I, yeah, I like how he even kind of warns him. Your mother said something about a Madame Von Toilet Scrubbing. And like, right. then she pops in with it. And like, did you, did you catch the animation? He kind of like rolls his eyes. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really do but, like that. Yeah. Uh, so those are my pros. Okay. You got any for me? Because it doesn't um, sound like you do. <laughs> we were making out. <laughs> that is a good, that is a very good moment. I like that she pulls her shirt down. Pulls her shirt down and grabs Hank and molests him and then forgets what they were doing and then tries to get back and she's like, oh, wait, never mind. The heat that of whole little bit. Passion. <laughs> passion. Oh. And then uh, tally-ho it to the money room. Yeah. Oh, I also, oh. just a little side pro, I really like uh, the look of Joy and Connie's face when she's in the uh, ROV. Yeah. Yeah, I, I she just she looks really happy. I, I don't know why, but I was just like, oh, that's a cute. Of course she's doing that, you know, like Bobby's trying mm-hmm. to do kick puncher. Joseph is at large and Connie's. He's, yeah, I think he's he's playing virtual golf, but he's I think, throwing no, that's the golf that's balls. what it was. Yeah, he's just like whipping it because he can't like he's playing <laughs> Lee Torvino's putting challenge, and uh, he's selecting maximum overdrive. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. What do you mean I have watched enough Simpsons? I don't think I've watched nearly enough. That's not the 10th goddamn Simpsons reference I made this episode. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, those are my... Oh, tally-ho to the money room, but we already kind of beat that one to death as a pro. That whole scene, you're right, is amazing. Um, it's, it's I like one all of the it. most. It's one of the most like iconic scenes, I feel like, from the series. Because people will meme the shit out of it. It's like um, high anxiety. You see it plastered yeah. everywhere because it's it's a weird off-hank model doing something he really fucking shouldn't. And people find it hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's good. It's I like that scene a lot. I just, yeah, it's just that scene. <laughs> That's the only scene I like. The his and I like the Bobby and Hank like custom diving boards, and I also like that like at the crux of this little fantasy, it's not the money that Bobby wants because what does fucking Hank tell Bobby? He says good job. And that's all Bobby, like, that almost broke my heart a little bit, just because that's all he wants is just for Hank to be proud of him and money. But, like, we're not not here for that. We're not here for, you know, emotional deep diving into character or anything. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about your cons. I'm going to talk about my cons. Number one, discuss your fucking wages. Everybody ought to know what everybody is making. This is how you get more rights for workers. This is how you get benefits. This is how you remove processes, like asking to donate PTO to people when the goddamn CEO is too cheap to just fucking pay it out because really, what's $180? Well, you know, it's too much for me. I'm a CEO. Talk about your wages. Talk to them about everybody you can. Understand what you are worth and what your fellow man is worth. Okay, that's my soapbox on wages. The boomers are still here. You did just come off from working for a gigantic corporation (laughs) that sucks the soul out of people. So you're allowed to rant, buddy. I work for a gigantic corporation right now that is, oh, I can't even talk about it. I, dude, oh, I got to tell you some shit off mic. I am actively looking now. Um, um, this is Hank's fault. This episode is literally all Hank's fault. And I kind of started thinking about this, like. This is almost um, a, a callback to, for me to Square Peg when she has to teach sex ed. And, you know, like, there's this ongoing theme that I always hear about how, like, school doesn't really prepare you for shit. Because you right. learn the quadratic formula versus how to balance a checkbook, right? Right. I hear that all the time. It's, yeah, it's so, a conservative's number one playbook. 
Yeah, and quite frankly, we ought to be teaching kids how to balance a goddamn. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who uses checks anymore because it's twenty twenty three. Well, yeah, we, we need to. Be my phone is my checkbook, management. but like money management. Yeah, to be sure. Again, the way that you said it, like you like Hank's explanation of economics to Bobby. Um, we need to have money is a lot like sex ed where it needs to be taught in schools, but we're not teaching. You know what I mean? Like a very mm-hmm. valuable thing, but the way that he does it, he, he sits Bobby down in the kitchen. He closes the blinds and it honestly made me, it honestly made me feel like Hank was going to give Bobby the talk. You know what I mean? And I yeah. guess in a way economics is effectively, you know, sex ed because one guy's going to get super fucked out of it, but it, you know, whatever. Um, but had Hank just been up front with Bobby and all this is to say, had Hank just been up front with Bobby in the beginning and said, no, this is what I make. This is how much money I have. He wouldn't have defaulted a credit card. Um, the, the Hills credit score has also got to be shit at this point. Where are the motorcycles? Those are gone. Yeah. Like motorcycle. So they don't have, so, okay. So, so real quick, let's try and map this a little bit because this episode really pissed me off the more I thought about it. Um, so just kind of going back in time a little bit, they cashed out a bulk of their retirement for motorcycles. Motorcycle, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a singular motorcycle, right? Um, Peggy bought that stupid bookstore, and yeah, she turned it around, but that's got to be a black mark on their credit. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Dr. Vizosa scam really, really got... I'm sure that that really fucked up their credit. Like right. Um, just, she had the, the, it's not Herbalife, but it's fucking Herbalife that, that yeah. she got down the shitter for with Bill. The triangle opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so just all these little things and like with a mother like Peggy, I would be, I, Hank should have like told Bobby what fucking finances were like at age three. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Especially for somebody who wants to pitch about responsibility, um, there's the one, and he's bitching about, well, how much do you think those short pants cost, son? I don't know, a hundred dollars. Like, I don't know. I just no part of this episode works for me. It pisses me off. Um, every almost every single line in this episode pisses me off. Like, it's it's cringy. Every one of them, though, like, there's a couple. Connie's got a couple good ones. Like, we got a lot nicer stuff than you, you know, like shit like that. Yeah. But, like, um, anytime like... the guys are talking about Hank or, like, John Redcorn, like, hmm, the rumors about Hank are true. Like, I just, all of it, I just, all of it, it just pisses me off. Like, and Hank has some good lines and tally ho it to the money room. But, like, yeah. No, I just, almost every line pisses me off. Uh, Con, where are the motorcycles? Um, Con, or I guess guess this is just a retro reference rage along with it, but long distance fees. She's talking about. I assume yeah. she's talking about long distance calling the person in uh, Dallas. Yeah. For thirty seven minutes. Yeah, like I don't know. Those are my cons. I'm sorry. I got angry. What do you got? For it's me? okay. No, so it's it's interesting that you like the guy's reaction and Redcorn's reaction and stuff is what makes you mad. I find it farcical. That's about one of the only like saving graces of this episode for me because Bobby and Hank drag it down so hard. I like that it it gets so silly and then they they fucking turn on a dime at the end and they're like, "Oh, he frittered it away." Mm-hmm. I think that's that's entertaining, but that's that's my opinion. Um I only have yeah. one con, but it's a big glaring one. I really okay. feel like Bobby should be smarter than this episode paints him. Like, yeah. yes, he is he is a dumb shit 13-year-old and yes, Joseph has a lot of sway over him cuz that's his best friend. But Bobby's usually the voice of reason. He has a lot of critical thinking skills. We've seen him have critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. He should have been able to put one and one together long before grabbing a credit card and racking up thousands of dollars of debt. 
Um, mm-hmm. I there's some inconsistencies in this episode too because Hank gets the phone call about his credit card and it says, "Oh, there's been several thousand dollars worth of charges made on this card." And then mm-hmm. at the end, he goes, yep, there goes my bonus, and then some. And it's like, well, yeah, your bonus is only a fucking grand. She said several thousand dollars. Like, no yeah. shit that's gone. And that's before the the jet ski showed up. So, Well, but it's a credit card, too. You don't look at that shit. Like, that's right. the point of a credit card is to spend, 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 and then feel bad about it, you know, a month Afterwards. later. Afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, so my, my credit cards are a here, lot like raw dog and your lady. It's a lot more fun, but the consequences might be dire. <laughs> yeah, they could be very dire. And you usually find out about a month later. Oh God. Um, but yeah, like I, I just feel like you said, it's this infantilization of Bobby. I really don't appreciate it. I, you have moments where he is a very self-actualized 13 year old kid and he's very believable. And you, you can't just, like, throw him into, oh, by the way, every 13-year-old kid would do this type of thing in this situation and ignore all the character work you've built up on him for eight seasons. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my biggest con here. I do have a retro rage for you. Oh, okay. And it's, I mean, it is a retro rage, but it isn't a retro rage. Eh, call it what you will. But unless you're Samuel L. Jackson, I have not seen a fucking Kangle hat in... 20 years? When's the last time you talked to Trudeau? And or Ben Buffett? Oh, get out of here. That's <laughs> Sorry, <mean>. buddy. Sorry, <laughs> buddy. Calls him like a season whale biologist. There's a Futurama reference instead of Simpsons, gang. There you go. There you go. So, I mean, that's my retro <laughs> You're not age. wrong. I, I, but it used dude, to be Kangles part of fashion. disappeared. Kangles, like, Kangles are gone. And yeah, I want to call it Kangles, to be a part and of... I got to check myself. <laughs> no, I, I think I wrote Kangle at first. I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> But um, favorite moment, buddy, and it's yours and I are going, we're gonna have the same one. I guarantee it. Okay, you're not allowed to use tally ho to the money pit. Well, fuck, then I don't have one. Yeah, because that one scene is the only thing that makes this episode watchable. Um, uh-huh. Really quick, though, really quick, um, you kind of hit on something. I want to I want to circle back really quick. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, your big conceit with Bobby goes nuts is that it really just removes all the character development of Bobby, and like yeah. he gets boiled down to that's my purse. I don't know you in culture now, right? Yeah. This one or that one did a better job of dismantling the Bobby Hill we know and love. Oh. That's tough. I don't have an answer. I'm just curious. I just want to know your thoughts, honestly. (sighs) I don't know. I don't know. Because at least you can avoid this episode. You can't avoid the other one. So the other one did more damage. You can forget this one. This is a highly forgettable episode. It yeah. is. It, the one part that's not forgettable isn't something that damages him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, no, you make a very valid point. If somebody is going through this with a fine-tooth comb like we are, this is also, it's yeah, it's kind of like a watershed moment of, what the fuck are you doing to Bobby? Yeah. It just seems like it's a it's a completely different person writing him. So I was going to say, I, I went and checked the writers on uh, Bobby Goes Nuts, and that was Norm Hiscock, not Eaton Okay. Cohen. So, yeah, I was I was just curious. Um, I was going <laughs> to say, like, because, again, you said the writer, and I was like, well, maybe that's it. Maybe there's one writer that really likes to take the piss out of Bobby. And yeah. you know what? If that was the case, cool, I'm into it. But, um, yeah, no, to the question you already posed, I don't have a favorite moment other than Tally Ho to the Money Pit. Um, 
I, I, I guess I appreciate John Redcorn's costume change, but I don't really yeah. like John Redcorn either. So you, I tell you what, I do have a favorite hmm. moment. Okay. 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 I mean, it's, it's something I can appreciate about this because it is something that is authentically Bobby. Um, but it's not a spoken line. It's something that he does because it's what Bobby would do. You notice when he has access to a credit card, he doesn't just go and spend it all on himself. He takes his friends out with him. Connie is there. Joseph is there. It's, I'm going to be the cool friend because you two are my best friends and all of us are going to get some of this cool shit. And that is a very Bobby thing to do. It's how he was raised. Okay. Okay. So I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to say that when he got, you know, unlimited money, the first thing he does is goes and buys a movie theater-sized popcorn popper, because that's also <laughs> what I would do if I got money. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, want to break down our rating system, buddy? I absolutely Or do you have do. anything else to say about this one? No, 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 no. We can, we can get to ratings here. So our rating system is as follows. At the very bottom, uh, we have charcoal. Charcoal is a failure of an episode, and therefore it gets an F grade. A charcoal episode is one that you will maybe see once if you're watching this, like if you're binging it through Hulu, and then you'll never go back to it again. It's not memorable. There's nothing good in it. After that is a megalo. It's one step up. It's, uh, you, you know, your, your D rank, your bronze medal, if you will. There might be one or two good scenes in this, but it, there's not a lot of memorable characters. The guest star is kind of flat. Um, the, the story is usually something that you've seen a hundred times because it's a sitcom trope and King of the Hill isn't doing anything different with it. After that, you got a butane, and a butane is kind of our, our mid-level silver level of an episode. It's a, it's a bastard of an episode, just like butane's a bastard gas. Uh, a butane episode is about half good, about half bad. You're not going to seek this episode out, but you probably won't change the channel if it's on. After that, you got your Char King, and your Char King is kind of your gold standard for King of the Hill. This has got good characters, good guest stars, good storylines, something unique and individual about it that makes it stand out as a TV show. If Mark and I both agree on a Char King, it becomes a Char King Imperial. This is like next to godliness. The Char King Imperials are the episodes <laughs> that you're going to seek out every single time you want to watch King of the Hill. You've got a handful of them. Everybody does, and they're all different. The only thing that's better than a Char King Imperial is the Blue Flame of Valor. Now, the unique thing about a Blue Flame of Valor is that it's not just a good episode of King of the Hill. It's a great episode of TV in general. These are the episodes that you will take and you will show somebody who has never seen King of the Hill. And this will introduce it to them and make them love it just as much as you do. They're going to see one or two of these and go, I need to watch all like 250 fucking episodes now. (laughs) <laughs> so, on a scale of charcoal to blue flame of valor, what did you give Rich Hank Poor Hank, Mark? I gave it a charcoal. I don't like this episode. There's not enough redeeming about it. Every single, almost wow. every line pisses me off. Um, again, Bobby is removed from any character growth he's had. He's a dumb kid. Hank's a dumb parent. The the adults okay. are all idiots. Nobody in this episode is redeemable or intelligent. And really, the only lesson that we learned is that a little shitty spoiled kid doesn't get his jet ski. Like, <laughs> yeah, we get a nice moment at the end for it, but it's a long time for that two second payoff. It's a long, long way to go for a short drink and nothing at all. Yeah, no charcoal. How about you, buddy? I gave it a butane. Okay. Yeah, I gave it a butane. It's it's average. I'm I probably wouldn't turn it off, but this is definitely something like I'm going to dick around on my phone the whole time it's on until the tally ho it to the money bin part. Um, it's mm-hmm. got a handful of funny moments. This it's, I think I'm glad I watched this one first because our next episode is 
a lot better in a lot of respects. And if I had watched that one first and then this one, this probably would be a charcoal. Okay. If that makes sense. So yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. butane. It's middle of the road for me. Um, okay. You know, it's it's bordering megalo. I don't know if I would ever seek it out. I can I I won't watch it. I'll turn this one off. Like I'm not I'm not into this one. This is interesting. Yeah, I, yeah it's just I don't care. Like I didn't even like laugh. Usually, like even when there's a bad episode, there'll be a line or something. I'm like, <laughs> all right, that's kind of funny. But like, so it's just like, oh my god, okay, Bobby's spending more money. Cool. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what do you? Let's. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Let's do her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll learn how to transition one day, buddy. Yeah, one of these days. I don't know. We we do okay. Uh, it's uh, we know how to transition better than I can speak French, and that is apparent when I tell you we're listening or we're going to be talking about episode one fifty eight, Cezy Nepa und King of the Hill. That wasn't uh, bad at all. Otherwise known as This Is Not King of the Hill. That's the direct translation from French. Original air date, 25th of January, 2004. Written by our good buddy, Eaton Cohen. Our cast of characters this episode, Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale Gribble, Bill Diabutruva. Nah, I'm not even going gonna... it's, to. It's going to be daughter. Bill Diabetes Trove. Diabetes Trove. Thank you. Uh, Boom Howard. Bilford Brimley. <laughs> We're saving that one. That's like season oh. nine. Oh, Keep that wow. one in your back pocket. <laughs> Billford Brimley. Um, talk about a retro rage. Nobody knows him. I do. Fuck you. Because I you talk about John Carpenter's a thing once every three episodes. It's not the point. <laughs> Me and Josh um, make the, I've got diabetes once. Like, it's either that or, hi, I'm Greg with mesothelioma. <laughs> Just ask him if he wants to eat your Quaker oats because he was a spokesman for that for like 20 fucking years. Um, Jazz Colton. We're back to cast of characters. Jazz Colton, yes. Jimmy Wichard, Buck Strickland, Margot, and Min Supanusimpone. Uh, so we have two characters that are introduced here. Jazz Colton, which is voiced by the incomparable Mark. No clue. Oh, come on now. He gave you a cameo. It's David Herman. It's always David Herman, John. At it's this point, when you David ask me Herman. to guess, my knee jerk should not be David Herman. Like, it really, I'm not I mean, saying it really I just, should. I'm not we saying that like I'm upset about. It. I'm just saying like we get a double fisting of him with Jazz Colton and Jimmy Wichard this episode. He's putting his he's putting his ankles in it this week. Like, remember how up on uh, Toby Huss's dick we were at the beginning about like, wow, and twelve angry men. He's so good, and it's like, nah, yep. fuck that, dude. David Herman is. He's the goat, dude. The Lord and Savior of this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Question mark. I don't know. <laughs> he, is, he is the patron saint of Dangle Podcast. That is, is until we patron, can afford to like, meet father, anybody else. And then Lauren Tom is the uh, mother goddess. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, good night. Um, and then Margot is. Uh, it's she's a character actress named Romy Rosemont. She's done all sorts of shit. She's got like 160 credits on IMDb. I know that name. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't recognize her in a lot of stuff, but all, I mean, she does she, like it's like a bit part on S, like one episode of SVU and one episode of Castle. Like she's a character actress. Oh, okay, I know who that is. Nice. Yeah, yeah, you see her all the time, but you never see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mayhap the Terra Strong of blonde women and background roles. <laughs> That was um, I'm sorry. No, you're good. So synopsis, this week, Peggy becomes a local artist. I, I really wanted to just stop it there. And then I remembered what the rest of this episode is about. And I have to add, Dale gets a bargain from the Don Quixote restaurant. 
<laughs> Holy shit, Mark. Yeah. Holy shit. This is one of those occasions where the A story can go fuck right off. I just want more B story. And they almost overdid it, but I feel like you just get enough. They got very close to overdoing the B story, yes. But... <laughs> Real close. So A story characters, Peggy and Hank, B story character, Dale. It's just Dale. Yeah. Um, I would say let's... Bill is there too. Bill yeah, is Bill, definitely yeah. his squire. Bill is Dale Squire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, his fucking wart. Oh, that makes me so happy. All of a sudden, I really want to put him in a page boy uniform. Like, come on, artists of, of the, the Dangle universe. Give me a picture of Dale in a page boy uniform. Because we didn't get it when he went to the Renaissance Fair. With a hey, nani, no, and a nani, nani, nay, the gribble did battle with the pantload that day. Oh, and the pantload squire ma- laid the gribble low and returned the roses to the women from Lyle. There you go. I just had You're the fucking... most disturbing thought, Mark. <laughs> What's that, buddy? Bill in tights. Oh. And I just had the Robin Hood men in tights scene flash in my head with Bill DeBetrove <laughs> dancing around as every character. <laughs> Uh, give me some of your notes, buddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me stay here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can that be our reboot? Uh, 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 King of Yon Hill? And it's just oh. like... <laughs> Can that be our fucking reboot? It's like... Really just, like, boiled down Game of Thrones shit. Like, there's no, like, court intrigue or anything, but, like... Oh. I want Hank to be oh. the charcoal vendor for the kingdom, because I think the juxtaposition would be hilarious. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's here we go. Um, It's a beautiful drive, and he looks at Peggy and smiles and brings Bobby with him. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> That very beginning bit there when they're talking about going to the artist colony in McManorbury. Yeah. yeah. And they talk about how it's like that month's scenic drive for Triple A. And he like, AAA. I just love it. He smiles at Peggy and she's like, okay, I'm going on a little trip here. And then it's Bobby. It's great. Um, there's no such thing as a real artist. You and I kind of already talked about this one with uh, Hank's unmentionable problem. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like anybody who says they're an artist is not an artist. Like, do you know what I mean? Either either everyone's an artist or no one's an artist. That's the only two acceptable answers to that question. Exactly. Because, like, I understand, like, yes, you can be trained in certain styles, but that doesn't make you an artist. Like... No. Yeah. Everything uh, like, what we're doing right here uh, is Musicians art. are artists. Like, literally, yeah. like, yeah, that is something different versus, like, these people, Washington, Hitler, Washington, Hit, like, yeah. Um... Johnny, and I guess we kind of already solved this with the Squire Dabatrov, um, who is tying the king into his harness? Well, probably Bill. Yeah. Um, Real quick, I'm going to send you something, and you don't have to watch the whole thing, but check this shit out because I was amazed by it when I watched it. Listeners, okay. this is going to be up on our uh, Twitter, too. Maybe. Sorry, here we go. Just uh, check out a couple seconds of this shit because this is impressive. Um, the whole time I watched this, I was very conflicted between Dale's, like, 
So that is not an actual like set of full plate. Like Don Quixote's uh, authentic Mexican cuisine and karaoke bar are not going to have like a full set of like actual plate armor. So at best, it's probably like an aluminum deal. But like, okay. there's still padding in it. Like it's still a closer facsimile. I'm amazed that it fits Dale. Armor needs to be fitted. Guys, I like armor a lot. I'm kind of a nerd. Um, if you haven't picked that one up, but um, my the whole time I was watching this though, I did appreciate how Dale moves in it because it's a very realistic movement, if at all stunted. But like, also right. Gribble is not gonna be conditioned to wearing armor. Um, but this cat Johnny that you're watching is. Yeah. And I don't know where you're at, but goddamn, he's chopping like, wood at this point. Fast forward, get to the part where he's rock climbing. Good lord. Yeah. Listeners, that, again, that this will be up on ugh. all our shits. There's this one guy, and he's just proving that you can do anything in armor. And his conceit is like, people say, the Middle Ages were bullshit. You would have had to have knights lowered onto horses and cranes. And it's like, no, it's not. The The plate weighed about 85 pounds, and it is 1,000% achievable. This one guy uh, lists a knight's training regimen for his armor, and it talks about how he would sprint. He would vault a horse. He would climb castle walls in the armor. Yeah. It's just a cool bit. I really, really like it. And I like when we can, like, inject a little bit of reality into our King of the Hill. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, This is a really weirdly timely episode now that New York City got their own bean and no one's ever going to go to Chicago for anything ever again. (laughs) Wait, you cut out a little bit. They got their own what? Bean. You know that giant reflective bean in Chicago? New York yes. City got one, too. And now okay. the joke is, they just got it like this last week, and now the joke is, well, no one's got to go to Chicago ever again. <laughs> and I, I just think it's up. funny. I just, I I like how it's just one thing. Hey, is that art? No, it's a fucking copy of something. But hey, it's art, so shut the fuck up. So, um, you, wait, you're, you're, you're telling me that, that Boston doesn't have one? <laughs> that, that Bean Town doesn't have a bean? Well, they did, but it was stolen by a guy <laughs> named J.R. Oh, okay. He's a real bad guy. Who lives on a ranch with his mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> all I right, Mr. Singing. Mr. I'm getting all Holloway. The in this bitch. Um, uh, one final note. This is right on the heels of flirting with the master with Peggy. Um, yes. In that one, we made fun of her for being old. In this one, we make fun of her for being a developmentally stunted redneck from the mountains. I understand why we're doing this, because you need to have a a handle on your art. Otherwise, you're an annoying housewife and no one cares. But, like, boy, we are being real mean to Peggy this season. I I genuinely feel bad for Peggy in this episode. I also felt genuinely bad for flirting with the master, but not so much because she was kind of done with that one. This one, they just out and out lie to her, and they just drag her through the mud, and they treat her like shit in front of her fucking peers and colleagues and family, and that is so wrong. Like, and I'm sorry. Like... I'm not mad that Jimmy Witchard is here. I'm glad to see him. I love yeah. Jimmy. You know that. I think he's the best character in this damn show. Not really, but he's great when I see him. But, like, nobody is conflating Peggy Hill to Jimmy Witchard level. It's like equating no. Hank and Bill. It, 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 we're just not doing it. Like, I don't know. Those are my notes. I just feel bad for Peggy by and large. But what do you got for me, buddy? No, it's it's a, it's a definitely a rough episode for her. Um, so, first note here. How much chicken is on the Hill's table in the beginning? Because... Holy shit, it looks like three full chickens. <laughs> probably just two. Um, pro- Peggy probably just bought one of those fry kits, and it's got, like, you know, four wings, four thighs, four breasts, and four legs. I guess. If you get a chance to go back and look and, and, and all that sort of stuff, like, 
if you can't find a good teaser uh, screen grab, use the fucking chicken because it's just a shitload of it. Um, that's gonna be this whole, that's gonna be this episode's yeah that's gonna be this one yeah no yeah you're this you're allowed episode, to call them out too if you want them I just try and find an image that I like and <laughs> throw it up but if you want something special John you say the fucking word buddy <laughs> I kind of well I mean I kind of want Dale in his armor we got to do something with the armor um, this whole episode makes me giggle because it reminds me all these these quote unquote artists remind me of so many of the people we went to school with. That's why I'm so I, shitty this episode. I feel like I'm being unduly mean, but I agree with you a thousand percent. Yes. You, know, we, you and I d- did four plus years with a lot of people that are just like this. And yes, they're very fucking talented people, but they t- they they were so, so many of them were just up their own ass. My next That's note here problem, is just, yeah. it's that the subjective nature of art is very infuriating because someone will insist that you are wrong for, for feeling something towards art. And because they don't like it, it's not art. But you yeah. felt something, so it's art. To, like it's all subjective. Every art and that, that's form the is point. Subjective. It should be like yeah. good art should be subjective. But then, like, yeah. so I don't know if you caught the note in the artist colony. Like, I just kind of took notes of the different ones. Like, I am curious to see what industrial penis number five looked like. But it's <laughs> all the same note. It was all the same note of like. So the one girl was horny, and that was more her art. But I want to yeah. say there was, like, the second guy. And all his shit was the same level. Like, there was a, a crosshair scope on the state of Texas, which, wow, that one didn't fucking hold up, gang. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, there's the one about corruption and the guy screaming it out, and he's behind the bars of the American flag. Like, it's yep. all the same note. It's all the same white person. This is what I think is edgy art. You know what I mean? Yes. Versus Peggy, who is, is literally, like ingenious or not ingenious what do you call that um fresh like she's new but because it's like you're saying it's because it's so subjective and then as soon as they find out like oh you didn't go to art school you're a spanish teacher she's out she's done you know what i mean and that's that's Mm -hmm. wrong like yeah it's it's very it's very frustrating i know like like i said i consider what you and i do every week here art and not everybody likes it we've gotten comments to that effect some people really fucking like it we've gotten comments to that effect Good I can make three out causes... hands, but I will not right now. Yes, damn it. <laughs> but like good art causes a, it causes a conversation. I'm not saying we're great artists here. Fuck, dude. Everybody can make a podcast. It's not that fucking hard. You just got to put you put your fucking nose to the grindstone and do it. But like I I think I don't even know where I'm going with this. I Well, I, th- I think I think I know where you're going with this. Just, yeah. I think you just said it and you didn't realize you said it, John. Great art makes you think. Now are all podcasts great art? Well, no, but are we the Dallas Cowboys riding horses, the King of the Hill podcast? Ugh. I reckon we are. Hot damn. Of King of the Hill podcast, we are. God That's what damn. I'm saying, baby. Because we you, make you, you think. You know, I'm, I'm going to get something commissioned for us for when we eventually finish this pig, and it's going to be you and I in cowboy uniforms riding horses on a gigantic fucking canvas. It's going to be great. Can we just pay a wedding photographer to take that picture for us? Like, I, I want to do this, really... like, live. I want to, like, I... rent, like, Dallas Cowboy, not armor. I don't know, Dallas Cowboy <laughs> uniform. And... Cowboy Dallas metallic Cowboy armor. blue. Metallic blue. Okay, that's what we're doing. We're commissioning suits of Dallas Cowboy armor, and we're, we'll wear hats on horses in the armor. It'll be great. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so my last note here, Mark, I've got, I've got a theory to bring to the table here. 
Okay. Or it's something that that reinforces a theory that a lot of our community it seems to have accepted. Because I've seen it. It's not just you that brings it up. I've seen it a lot in the King of the Hill subreddit. And it's that Peggy okay. has brain damage. We bring it up a lot. That Peggy has brain damage from her fall. My yes. theory that is kind of starting to corroborate with that is how many times after that fall do they lump her in with Jimmy Wichard? Because Jimmy it is Wichard is almost like a two to for three Peggy. times. Yeah. And it's like, okay, every time somebody who has a very, very distinct disability is now lumped in with Peggy. Mm -hmm. We saw it before with the, um, oh, you just mentioned him, the the money. Dr. Vizosa. Vizosa, thank you. We're going to, we saw it just this episode. We, I think we're going to see it again. Like they pair the two of them up because Peggy is brain damaged and they're going to pair her up with the other brain damaged person in Arlen. Yeah. So just a, something I noticed, I thought I would point it out here. I'm, I, it's something on for our things to watch is how many more episodes do we get with Jimmy Witcher that don't also very much involve Peggy? Yeah, at this point, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you're, you're, you're right. She, she gets lumped in with him all the damn time. Yeah. So the I last the one I think I saw – no, you're good. The last one I think I saw him in that she wasn't directly involved with him was um, – the Veterans Day Parade where he's fighting with Cotton about cans. Smash the cans! 37 and 3! 37 and 4! Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think we're on a pros, bud. I reckon we are. Pros. Boomhauer's odd love of art. I like how he mentions, like, Dada. Like... Yes. Yes. I think, honestly, I think Dadaism might be the only actual form of art. Because <laughs> you don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be. It's 1,000% subjective. And, and it like, will make you feel something. <laughs> It'll make you feel something, but I also wonder what the artist takes from it, you know? I don't think there's any edification. I don't know. I did a lot of Dada shit in college, you remember? And yeah, it was pretty yeah. much me hitting myself in that with a chair. But, like, one of my favorite performance art pieces I ever did was the concerto, when I lined up all those people and played their toes like a player piano to the Turkish waltz. Like, yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, People got, people like, and I remember that very clearly because, like, at the reaction, people were like, why did you pick Turkish waltz? You're Greek and you hate the Turks. And I'm like, that was the point. And really it was because I picked it because it was like, you know, a frantic, you know, song. So like I could like right. be more animated and shit, but like, you know, whatever. They took that out of it. I took, I was just being weird, like playing people's toes. I got called Andy Kaufman-esque, maybe the highest praised and worst <laughs> insult I've ever received in my entire life. Like these little things. And all that is to say, again, I think Dadaism is a very important form of like art, like, Theater, not so much. Theater is your repeating lines on a stage. Dadaism is you take whatever you want out of a thing. All right, I'm done being subjective. I'm sorry. I'm now injecting what I think art should be into the conversation, and that is wrong. For the record, Mark, I would rather be uh, Andy Kaufman-esque than Andy Dickish. I think that, yes. I think, yes. All right, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it's this B story. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> Dale's armor hijinks. Yes, he does get to be a bit much. I don't fucking care. Oh, I love it, all of it. The, he, he when he just, like, line. knocks the kid off his bike, it's great. <laughs> like, I, him, I don't like him going me, to the dude's house, but go to, ahead. to me, where he um, where it almost overdoes it, almost overdoes it, is him going up to Min and going, I'm taking your flowers, and just ripping a fucking rose bush out of the ground. See, I think almost, that one is... I think that part is the writer part. I think him overdoing it is going to the guy's house 
and then okay. getting his ass kind of kicked. But I like because he's then trying to like just see what how much like he's trying to like see how much of a dick he can be, and he like pushes Bill. Whatever it's Bill, no one cares. Like Bill's kind of like a Nazi. No matter what happens to him, it's funny. You know what I mean? Yes. You can horribly brutalize a Nazi in anything, and it's hilarious. Same thing with Bill. The Falcon attack. Like, just the Falcon attack. It's hilarious. It'll always be hilarious. Like, uh-huh. so whatever. Pushing beer, beer, pushing Bill and him spilling beer doesn't count. Um, he steals the bike from the child, and then he steals men's rose bushes. And, like, how do you compound your dickishness? I'm taking, I'm ripping this rose bush out of the <laughs> ground. Like, also, pro, call back to men's roses. I'm glad they're back. Um, yes. Yes, I'm just glad that she's still doing it. Like, that's a character development choice for men. I like that it's a thing that can still exist. Um, uh, pro, the the armor fight in the alley. That whole thing is just great. <laughs> um, Peggy looks really good. Um, she's in that little, um, when, when they first debut the probot on the highway, they show a side cut of her. She just, she's drawn very, I'm sorry, very attractively. Like, she looks sure. good, man. That, like, black sweater and beret do it for me. I don't know what's wrong with me. It, no, it's not often that they actually, like, show her as a, a full-fledged, like, adult, I mm-hmm. feel like. Because you just get to see her in house mom clothes all the time. So, yeah. yeah, when she gets dressed up to do something, it is, it's something to celebrate for sure. I liked her outfit at the, the gallery, the purple one. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of costume change in this, too. She's not wearing her usual Peggy shit, either, I noticed. Right. She's wearing that, like, weird blue shirt. And No, that was last episode. I apologize. Yeah, that was last episode. She was wearing her blue gross shirt. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. Final note. Um, okay, this might be my favorite Hank moment in the entire series. Oh, um, wow. It might be the sweetest we ever see Hank. It might be the most loving and genuinely good that we ever see Hank. And do you know why? Hmm. Because he... Because where does Peggy build her probots at? In their garage. Yeah. Hank gives her the garage. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, um, there are propane tanks scattered everywhere. There, there's the like, there's all of her design ideas. She's got that one big piece of butcher paper draped over his uh, tool bench. Right. Like, it's just beautiful. Like I, and I just the whole bit of it, man. And then like when he goes and picks it up and shit, and like all of it. I this is a very this might be my favorite Hank episode. I think like in terms of him like. Being a supportive and loving husband, he is. This yeah. is an amazing Hank episode. I love this Hank. This is great Hank. Oh, like, fully agree. Yeah, and I, because I, I kind of, it kind of hit me, and it kind of made me a little like not teary, but like I was like, oh my god, I didn't real. I, I saw that she was in the garage, you know, but I didn't realize Peggy's in the damn garage. Hank gave up his garage for Peggy. Like, yeah, his garage, his tools, like all of that his space. Tools, Strickland. He's letting her he's letting her take an acetylene torch to Strickland propane to kill the probot. Like Yeah. This is an ama- I would almost say it's out of character for how fucking supportive Hank is in this episode. Like damn. Um all right, I'm sorry. I'm gushing. What do you got for me? Sorry. I'm getting no, all choked up here. It's just I love sweet Hank. I love sweet supportive Hank. I I love no, Peggy's I'm... like I love Peggy's self edification in this too because she is genuinely proud of her work like and she should be like I, they're stupid but they're kind of cute in their own right like it's a yeah. very Funko Pop vibe to me you know absolutely I think yeah, we just... get genuinely good episodes when when somebody in Hank's immediate circle can find a way to connect with him through propane because um, propaniacs is it's Propaniacs. the same but it's with Bobby 
and you know they they get really afraid at one point um, of like oh Peggy's like oh don't make fun of propane Hank's not gonna yeah. like it and then he just busts out laughing and it's like no this is my niche this is my area and you were connecting with me on my level and so he goes like all in for it it's the same with the probot Hank is like almost flattered that that's what Peggy wants to make like out of propane he's mm-hmm. he's finally seeing it on the same level or she's finally seeing it on the same level as he is so it's i i love that you made that that observation man i hadn't thought of it that way of like yeah he gave up his whole big personal workspace that he won't give to anyone that he is meticulous about and he just is like nope peggy you get free reign if you're doing this cool shit with pro probots then it's all yours yeah he, um but that like it's a psychological area too like that's that's Hank's spot, and he. If yeah. Amanda decided that she needed the think hole, I would be fine with it, but I would also be like baseline uncomfortable. It's like, no, the think hole is mine. It's that's why it's the think hole. It's my hole. You stay out of it. Like, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's a psychological area, and, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of that like thing that goes around. It's like Hank Hill is autistic. Okay, sure, cool. You know what? Let's say for today that he is autistic as all fuck. This autistic man just gave up his like probably most sacred space. Like, yeah volumes it speaks volumes i'm sorry i'm done getting so excited about it (laughs) you're good you're good um so pros here i think it's a pro that triple a knows hank by voice the guy knows who he is just by his hello um industrial penis number five mark reminds me of a very (laughs) specific performance art piece that i saw in college it wasn't an industrial (sighs) penis but it was very much a gigantic what was what was about seven foot tall Fellas. Oh yeah, I was like an eight, yeah, I was like seven feet tall, weighed about forty pounds, of just balls completed, and, uh, chicken wire, yeah, yep, gigantic yep. dick guys, and it about it as big around as a fifty gallon years. drum, yeah, yeah, it stuck around for it's probably still somewhere because I'm sure there are art majors smoking weed out of it right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they guarantee they turn it into a bong. Um, you already hit this senseless bill violence is always a pro to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, if it's done it right Nazis, though, like, yeah, that's, okay, so well, no, that was just my thought. Cause like, um, I've been playing a lot of Wolfenstein lately <laughs> and anytime something bad happens to a Nazi, it's funny. Well, I, you know I me, mean? I'm not like a, I like violence. It's fine. But like that game is like needlessly gratuitously violent. And really the only way it can be that way is because they're Nazis. Like there's one where you yeah. like punch a dude's face apart, like, and you can only punch a Nazi's face apart. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. That's the only group of people it's acceptable to, but it's also Bill. Like, it's just hilarious. But it's also, we should point out here, I, I want to clarify just a bit. This is good use of Bill. He's not a child. He's not eating change off the floor. Like, he is yes-anding into shenanigans with Dale because him and Dale get to be buddies again, and that's cool. Uh-huh. Until they're not, until Dale becomes a monster, and then Bill must go hunting monsters. That, he yeah, must. Like, he must. Good, really good Bill is my point, I think. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's my my last pro definitely plays into this, but it's got a little bit of a story behind it because I don't okay. think I don't think I would have thought this if I hadn't just spent uh, a specific amount of time with you, Mark. So the last time I was with you and we were recording in person, I sat down one morning for about two solid hours and did nothing but play your Godzilla game. Mm. And to me, the the final armor battle here to me it just felt like i was watching a kaiju battle because they were moving yes. slow it was very ridiculous like like specific movements and everything else and i'm like okay godzilla finally found his mecha godzilla that's what we're watching here mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. just made me really happy that i felt like i was watching a fucking dale and bill kaiju battle <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that's that's what I got for uh, for pros, man. You got cons? Um, I got two. Uh, white people in general. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised. No, company I just... included, I'm sure. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to our Twelve Pups of Christmas episode, um, where me and Josh get hammered and watch maybe the worst holiday movie ever made called Twelve Pups of Christmas. <laughs> don't listen to it or don't watch it, viewers. Go listen to us bitch about it. Um, but our biggest takeaway from it is that we hate the vapidness of white people. Like, okay. So. It's just, I just, I don't know. It's it's slightly wealthy white folks just piss me off. To 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 the end of like jazz, the artist who is going to exploit a mentally challenged man by paying him in cans, or maybe he's not exploiting him. I don't know. Jimmy doesn't seem to want money, and he wants the cans. Is that exploitation or is that a bargain fair struck? I'm not sure. Um, everybody, it just everybody like patting themselves on the back because they're supporting these mentally handicapped artists. Um, the idea that we can make one part of town shitty if we put shitty art in another part of town, it's a very gentrify thing. Shitty white people irritate me. I just, it's a certain type of person and you can be a shitty white person and still be a black person, but I feel, you know what I mean? You can be any color and still be a shitty white person. Yeah. But it's a very specific type that I think ties very well to the specific, like, the whites in general. And I just, it yeah. annoys me. I don't know. And to follow up to that, con, that fucking bitch, Margot, go eat a dick. God damn. <laughs> Ugh. What a fucking cow. You're my daughter, man. Like, she's just a bitch. Like, yeah. And also, side con, I really hate how this episode kind of called the future out. Where Jazz okay. is yelling about how, like, they don't care if you're good. They need you to have a problem. Yeah. So, like, you, you, you have to be interesting to, to get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what you actually produce. Like, you, it doesn't matter what you made. They care about the person that made it, which is gross. And I just, I don't like that. And then you, like, I we talked a lot about how I am kind of in a different Twitter circle than you are. I'm proud of you. You got off fucking Twitter. A lot of the yeah. people that I am in, in, interact with are artists, and they all have to have something fucking wrong with them. Like, yeah. and okay, this is going to be inflammatory when I say wrong, and I don't mean it this way, so don't isolate the soundbite. They're gay, they're trans, they're bipolar. They're listing these things that make them different and therefore a credible artist when really you're a white person who draws the fucking Rebecca Sugar style art from Tumblr. That's what you're doing, and you're mad because no one cares about your shit. And I hate that. I, I fucking hate that. I don't care about the person that made it. Like... You know, John Wayne Gacy painted paintings in prison. Is that art? Yeah. Maybe. I can't fucking tell. Is he more of an artist because he is essentially a gay bisexual, gay slash bisexual man who also killed a bunch of kids? You know what I mean? It. Yeah. The logic just gets really muddy and I hate it. And I hate how, like, you can't like a thing unless the person is not a typical person. I guess is my final stance on this. That's that's it. I'm sorry. I'm done talking. Because I can't say this eloquently enough to where it sounds like I'm not bashing, like, sections of a population. That's not my point. I just... They all have you, this. You want, and so you suddenly want... every single artist is now gay. And every single artist is now trans. And the thing that they are pointing out that makes them special, why you need to only back their art, well, fucking everybody else is too. And once everybody is gay and bipolar and trans and syphilitic and uh, a hillbilly from Deliverance, then no one fucking is. 
Like, stop using personality quirks as superpowers and be a fucking human. I'm done talking. I'm done. I'm sorry. It's okay. There's, I mean, there's <sighs> a lot of... A lot to unpack, lot... and I came at it in bad angles, and I apologize. I just, I watched this this morning and didn't have time to make a cogent argument to wrap my head into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mark, I can hear your passion in, in your argument. Thank you. Thank you. I can. No, I, I understand. You, I What I think you're trying to say, Mark, if I can try and sum it up eloquently. Please. Is... Please make me sound not so fucking hateful, because I'm not trying to be hateful. Like It's, you are not against anybody for any of the things that they that they perceive to have wrong with them or that are affecting them or that have oppressed them but you want people you don't yes. want to buy something based off of the person you want it based off of what it is yes. you want to buy art because it's art you don't want to buy art because you bought it from somebody who has got a million things wrong with them yes or a million weird little quantifiers i i can wholeheartedly say that i i can understand even though I've never experienced it, the plight of people in like the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely believe they deserve representation, but I'm not going to buy a piece of art just because that's what you're representing. I want the art to mean something. And that's my point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I got it. I think I figured this out. I think I can come at this with a better angle that doesn't make me sound like I'm trying to be angry at one certain group of people or a couple certain groups of people. You ever watch Food Network like Chopped? Yeah. Or Cupcake Wars or anything anything on fucking Food Network. Any of the contest-based uh, things. Every single person there needs to talk about how their fucking Italian or Spanish or Russian or Romanian grandmother taught them how to cook, and that's the only thing they know how to make now. Yeah. And it's like, okay, okay, I get it. Your grandma was Italian. You you made gross nachos. Shut the yeah. fuck up. Like, st- like yeah. you know, and it's we, that's all that they can talk about is, oh, yeah, you know, my, my grandmother was Spanish, and this is her tortilla recipe. You're not making tortillas. Shut the fuck up. Like, you know, yeah. it's... You, you but you, but you don't ever see somebody on there, and probably rightfully so, like, oh, yeah, my grandmother was British. She taught me how to make spotted dick, because British food is disgusting. But, like... You only rely on the one trope of I'm Italian, so therefore this is what this is what I'm bringing to it my my fiery Italian passion. And right next to that guy, you got the the fiery Hispanic passion, and then next to him, the fiery Australian passion. And it's just like God, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> fucking cook it's, your food and shut up. Like you, you and I, you and I have grown up in the the era of of TV of reality TV where everybody is reduced to one, maybe two, if you're lucky, facts about them buzzwords you know? it's buzzwords we're reducing ourselves to buzzwords there it is okay yeah. we brought it home thank you fuck okay yeah. i feel um, better now <laughs> <laughs> good because i'm going into cons please um, do i've been talking so long trying to justify my own bullshit i'm sorry it's okay hey i'm an artist so i only <laughs> i only have two here the first one okay. fucking buck because buck showed up did fuck Holy all this shit. episode and then left <laughs> abandon them on the freeway man yep um, and then my next one here is in all caps. I did a lot of all caps here because I felt like it was necessary. Uh, it's in all caps. Mark, Bobby is wiping feet to head. Now we're dead. There's no gas in that tank. Does it matter? He knows better. Know. He was a fucking tank. I saw wipe. that too. I really hoped you were going to get it. I, I knew in my, my, my like mind's heart that you were going to call that. I was like, don't even write it down. Johnny's going to call it. You're good. Yep. Like, yep. 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 Guys, you never wipe feet to head, because then you're dead. It's head to feet. Yep. It's all neat. Uh, favorite moments, buddy. Oh, uh, shit, I didn't write a favorite moment. Um, 
You don't have one? I don't know. I really like this episode as a general, but I like big chunks of it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Okay. Sure. I can't. I can't say my favorite moment is Dale's armor shenanigans because that's the entire the B plot. That's the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's the entire B plot. And anytime he's doing anything, um, there's a scene. It's a throwaway scene when Peggy's watching and she's like. I could make an armored man. And she sees Dale on his roof and he just like face plants off of it. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. But I can't say that's my favorite Dale armor bit because like him at the batting range taking balls, <laughs> like happy Gilmoring himself is hilarious. Him like rampaging about as the drunken knight on rainy street, like, or the evil knight of rainy street is hilarious. Like, so I can't just say, like, the entire, like, anytime Dale's wearing his armor, because it's great all the time. Also, Sidecon, that armor fucking reeks. You know that armor fucking <laughs> reeks between between living in a Mexican restaurant for however long and, like, picking up, like, the food smell, then combining that with the Dale Gribble sweat of pesticide and Mountain, uh, Dew. Mountain Dew and cigarettes. Like, oh, God. Um, I also really appreciate another side pro. I'm sorry. I, I like this episode too much. I'm all horned up. Um, how that kaiju fight at the end that you're talking about, it's not a knockdown drag out fight. They're kind of just like tired because they're wearing suits of armor that they're not trained yes. to wear. Like, yeah, like you can't just put on armor and be impenetrable. Like you need like the, the meat. You need to armor your bones with meat before you can put on an armor of metal is my point. Favorite right. moments back at the ranch. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I don't have a favorite moment. But okay. I like so, so much of this that it's really hard for me to nail down a favorite okay. moment. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, when Peggy unveils the first probot and Margo goes, aren't you my daughter's Spanish teacher? And Peggy totally flips this insult on her and goes, oh, <laughs> I see you notice the Latin influence in my art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking great. How about you, buddy? Um, so I've got two here. And I'm going to do my best to do uh, horrible yelly impressions at you. It's going to be great. Awesome. You make guys too. You got to shake it. You got to shake the guys. <laughs> Anytime we get Jimmy Witchard, it's probably one of his lines will make it into my favorite moments. Fucking love yep. Jimmy Witchard. And then the last one here, again, in all caps, soft shells cower before me. <laughs> yes. Soft shells. Soft shells. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to be Dale just telling everybody, yep, you are a soft shell and you just try it. Just fucking try it. Oh. What are you rating? Well, I it? say <laughs> I say we get this guy rated, buddy, cuz we've been going on a long time today. We yeah, this is a long episode. Sorry guys, we kind of got horned up about shit. I don't know, you and I were kind of on point today though, I think too, but yeah. What are you giving her? Um, so I gave a Ceci Nepa un King of the Hill a butane. Okay. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning when we started talking about this, this episode is overly cruel to Peggy. Mm -hmm. It is, it is like just, it is mean. And I know there's a lot of people out there that really can't stand Peggy. Congratulations, guys. I probably found your new favorite fucking episode because they just shit on her the whole time. Um, but that's not the only reason this gets a butane. This episode was already done just a few years previously in The Simpsons. We've already done in, the um, weird trash garbage artist savant episode. Whereas I, though Homer was fueled by rage and Peggy is fueled by hillbilly being from Montana. Yeah. But like being the child I mean? bride of a common laborer. 
Yeah. So I like it's it, it was already it's already been done. I, honestly, I will probably watch the Homer Rage one better because I think it's a better episode and they don't shit on him the whole time. Um, but the last thing I wrote on here, just enjoy what you want to enjoy, guys. It, if you enjoy it, then it's art. If you don't enjoy it, it's probably still art. Fucking enjoy what you want to enjoy. How about you, buddy? Well said, sir. Um, I'm kind of mad because I gave it a Buking, but I wish I could make it a Butane so I could give it a Tutane. But I like it too much to give it a Butane. But I don't like it enough no, to give it a Charking, so it's a straight Buking. I haven't had a Buking in a minute. And hey, it's my goddamn podcast, and I can rate it whatever <laughs> the fuck I want. I can get as Mark, cute or not cute with my ratings as I will. Stop reading Passion. the comments, Mark. Passion. Um, Passion. We need to be better about that one, though. I, I'm excited to start just like one of us goes on a rant. Passion. Passion. Um, <laughs> no, uh, nah, it's, I, I, I'm going to get cute with this one. It's a really good episode. Um, it's yeah. got a really solid B plot. Um, it's just not a Char King. I don't know why it's not a Char King. Maybe it's because I do genuinely feel bad for Peggy. Yeah. Because Peggy may or may not be one of my favorite characters in the series. Like... You know, you know how much I have always kind of loved Peggy a little bit, and I kind of think you've mm-hmm. been brought around to enjoying her a little bit more. Um, I also like your bit about how if you like to shit on Peggy, you're gonna like this episode because that's all they do when you. But man, yeah. I feel bad for her, and I, I'm kind of yeah. glad that you're feeling a little bad for her too. You know, you don't think like, "Haha, oh, fuck yeah. Peggy, she got a job and failed." Yeah. I it's been a long time since I've been on the fuck Peggy train and I, I'm starting just to see her as the the flawed, beautiful human that she is. My wife mm-hmm. to the probably till her dying day will say, Nope, she's the worst fucking character ever created on television. And I don't think you and I could record more we could record all of this and then all of it again and she would listen to it all and still not be changed. That's just mm. her opinion. But it is what it is, and yeah, like, Peggy haters, you get an episode where she just gets shit on, and you get a fucking phenomenal B-plot, so, have fun. This is your blue flame. This is your blue flame, it's great, like, it's, it's not a blue, it'll never be a blue flame, but like, man, this is <laughs> no, a really somebody, good episode, like. If somebody tells yeah, me I can't stand Peggy Hill, but I like the rest of the show, this is what I'm gonna tell them to watch. So, what you're saying, John? Is that a lot like art, there's something for everybody, and this year piece of artwork that is King of the Hill. That uh that's that's very true. So it should be rebooted. Awesome, there we go. Fucking A. <laughs> I'm still upset, guys. I don't know if you could tell. Oh, also shout out to um our, our our boy who said he agreed with me on Twitter. I salute you, sir. I, I cannot think of your name offhand. You're somebody <laughs> fan. I'm sorry. I, I should say, be better I'm, about I'm, knowing I'm not on Twitter, handles, so I but... can't look it up. No, you're, I'm just, I don't want to pull it up right now. No, he, I got um, a little aggressive when I tweeted. So listeners, I'm having to dump a bunch of recordings so I can go on vacation, but uh, we just dropped, um, what did we just drop? We just dropped the episode where they had just announced the um, reboot. And um, I am not as, I was a little aggressive on Twitter about it, and I am kind of being edified and other people agree with me. And I'm like, ooh, let me drink deeply of this. So anyway, Johnny, we need to get out of here. But before we do yeah. that, there is one final piece of crushing promise, power. I don't know what you call that. A, a crushing burden that we need to address really quick. Okay. Do you still like King of the Hill, buddy? Mark, I still love King of the Hill, man. It's yeah. uh, it's here and it's here to stay. I don't I don't see it going anywhere. And well, it's I mean, not now no it's, it's not we're only it's it's only gonna get better we're gonna get a 14th season and it's gonna be the best of all of them 
Pure yeah. gold. Ten episodes of pure fucking gold. How about you, buddy? Talk to me after Sir Punt. <laughs> 14th season, Mark. 14th season is gold. Oh, oh, so you're just predicting it's already gold. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, it's okay. it's 10, 10 episodes of absolute pure instant fucking classics. I mean, we may as well be Gary Larson in his prime drawing fucking comics. It's going to be great. Oh, are you saying that the 14th season of King of the Hill is going to be fucking cow tools? Because I am yeah. so into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or or uh, amoeba porn. Yeah. Or or fat chick with the missing dog in her ass? Uh-huh. Cool. I'm looking Mark, forward to it, buddy. <laughs> you still love King of the Hill? Like King <laughs> yeah. of the Hill? Likewise, I still King love King of the Hill. We had a bad episode. I'm not going to cry off the tower. I I kind of got to go back and look at, like, how many good episodes we had before I get all pissy when we get a single charcoal. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm just so willing to be mad. And I'm just like, God, calm down. <laughs> we also, you, you have enjoyed so much of this series. Like, shut yeah. the hell up. We also just had our very first double Megalo. So, I mean, we're on a downhill descent. We both know it. Just a touch. Yeah. So you know how like you can be cautiously optimistic, yeah. Are we cautiously pep- pessimistic? Sure. Like, because I know I'm gonna keep watching it. Wow. Oh, King God, of the I Hills kind of like, like being it. a Packers fan. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm always gonna love it, but I'm never. I'm not always gonna be happy with the outcome, huh? Yeah. It's well. Yeah. I feel like an addict. It's. I know it's terrible for me, and yet I'm gonna keep crawling back. Well, we hope that you'll crawl back next week, listeners, when we inject another hot load of King of the Hill into your veins. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Johnny, tell those good people where they can find us. You guys can always find us at King of the Hill. Uh, King of the nope, Hill? That's, that's wrong. You guys can... Uh, <laughs> and you're going to keep it in, too. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep you can on use... <laughs> Woo, you got me there. <laughs> okay, try again. Take okay. two. Take two. Uh, you guys can always find us at dangolpodcast on gmail.com. You can always also reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Same same tag, at dangolpodcast. You can reach out to us on our Facebook group. Uh, come and join, guys. We've got a couple people in there. We're starting to get some traction. We get a couple of posts a week now. It's pretty good shit. Um, I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better about yeah. it. I'm trying to be, yeah. I yeah. need to remember how to use Facebook, I think. It's been about eight years. <laughs> And then uh, you can always reach out to me on Instagram and my private account. It is Krautball. That is Kraut as in sauerkraut and ball as in Swedish meatball. Mark, where can I find you? You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. That's Marky as in my name with a Y and Stardust as in the project that was the hidden Death Star plans in that horrible, horrible movie Rogue One. There you go, Johnny. I shoehorned in a Star Wars reference. Uh, you can also find me on our sister podcast, the uh, Two Wizards podcast, where me and my buddy Josh talk about a variety of weird and freaky topics. We're either talking about Lake Monsters Part 2 this week or what AI means to not only the world at large like the art community that's all pissed off about it, but also like the idea that AI might be able to help us translate uh, ancient scrolls and Josh is super horned up about it. We haven't cut that episode yet, but I've read some of his outline notes and I'm really excited to get into it. Either way, we did a great episode of Two Wizards. Go check us out there. Uh, Marky Stardust on Twitter. Give us that five star, guys. It helps us out a lot. We're getting a lot more. Um, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. We're getting a lot of feedback in general, but a lot of positive feedback. Um, yeah, and we love to see it, and we love you all. And just let us know what you think. You know, just just let us know, because John, you're right. This is an art in its own right, and not everybody will always agree with it. Like that one person right. that got mad at me about cupcakes, but some other people will agree with it. Like some of our fans that hit us up weekly. So, hey, either way, 
Let us know if we made you feel anything at all. Because really, all I want to do at the end of the day is drive in some passion. Some passion. Thanks so much, guys. We will see you next week. Love y'all. Good night.